Hey, Educated Listeners, Darian Woods here. We're taking this week to highlight some of our favorite episodes of the year that deserve another listen. Today's episode is about how the devastation to bison in the 1800s has consequences for indigenous communities all the way up to today. Here it is. NPR. Right at the top of Montana is a stretch of land bigger than Delaware. It's the Blackfeet Reservation, and it's bordered by the Rocky Mountains shooting up on one side and wide open plains on the other. And it's there that Irvin Carlson lived on his grandparents' cattle ranch in the 1950s and 60s. I grew up ranching. It taught me um, to work hard, to be able to work hard and, and for a living and work ethics. It was a good way of growing up. But across the reservation, across Blackfeet Nation, work was scarce. I didn't see a whole lot of jobs. There was a lot of unemployment here, not a lot of opportunity for all of our people here. And new evidence has found that the persistently high unemployment in Blackfeet Nation is particularly severe among Indigenous nations that once relied on one animal. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. Today on the show, the devastating story the numbers tell us about the people once reliant on bison. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash gradprograms. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Certified Financial Planners. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, Certified Financial Planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Don Fair is an economist at University of Victoria in Canada. And a few years ago, Don was working with a couple of other economists on a research project that involved trying to estimate how well-off Indigenous North Americans were in the 19th century. But economic data was pretty hard to come by for that time. One measure of economic well-being, perhaps a proxy for income, was how tall people were back then. We knew about this data that was collected in a very um, ambitious initiative by Franz Boas, who's a famous physical anthropologist, on the biological like height of about 15,000 Native Americans across North America. So we, uh, we found it, the data, and acquired it. And when we started to do the analysis, that's when we saw major declines in height, right? So that is when it started to really hit us that this was a, a disaster. The disaster was the loss of bison. For over 10,000 years, many peoples in what's now known as North America had relied on bison. 30 million of the creatures stretched from Canada all the way down to Mexico. And to people like Evan Carlson's ancestors, the bison, or the American buffalo, were family. It was a part of their way of life. Buffalo were, they were everything to us. Well, actually, our economy, buffalo was our lodging, our clothing, our food, tools, Parts of our ceremonies, that's how we survived. 
was on Buffalo and with Buffalo. And when Don Fair looked at that height data, they saw that the people who hunted bison had a massive height advantage in the 19th century. They're among the tallest people in the world, taller than Europeans or other indigenous groups who weren't reliant on bison. About two centimeters on average uh, taller. About an inch. About an inch taller than the yeah. European counterparts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, no, no. They, they, these were <laughs> very tall people. That height was because of good nutrition in their childhoods. But those advantages started to slip dramatically in the 1870s. In 1871, there was a change in European tanning technology that all of a sudden made bison hides commercially viable in Europe when they hadn't actually been before. So this change in technology created, I mean, you might have heard of a gold rush. Well, this created a hide rush. And uh, settler hide hunters flooded to the Great Plains, uh, Rocky Mountain regions, where the bison were in the thousands and slaughtered the bison in the millions. There's really horrific stories, and I'm sure many people have seen classic images of um, settlers standing next to a pile of bison skulls, far taller, three times taller than they were. And in some areas of the country, there was more violence. Uh, So you, you might know the Indian Wars. Once the U.S. military realized what was happening to the nations when they were losing the bison, uh, the American military started to participate in its slaughter as well. And then it became an intentional destruction. So depending on the region, we went from millions of bison to virtually none or a few hundred within 5, 10, or 20 years. So this is a very dramatic change. Livelihoods for nations like the Blackfeet vanished. Some communities had to eat their horses. They ate rotting food. Some even ate old clothing. And other economic options were limited. I mean, for one thing, the U.S. government restricted indigenous peoples' movement well into the early 20th century. And getting bank loans to start a business, well, that was challenging. And Don could see this in the health data. There was increased child mortality, signs of maternal distress... People born after the slaughter and during the slaughter started to be much shorter than their ancestors who had relied on the bison. And in fact, by the end of the slaughter, the indigenous people who had been at least like an inch taller actually lost their entire height advantage. The U.S. government would end up providing food and other support and encouraged nations like the Blackfeet to get into farming. The nations themselves also collected bison bones to sell for fertilizer. But Don and their co-authors found that these initiatives didn't bring bison-reliant people back to where they were economically compared with other indigenous groups. When we started to do the analysis, that's when we saw the major declines in height, right? So that is when it started to really, really hit us that this was a a disaster. (laughs) I mean, you know it's a disaster, right? It's a near extinction of a brilliant creature that societies relied on. That beyond that, you could actually just see in the data the impact it was having on Indigenous people. And once we saw that, we knew that we had to tell the story because the data wouldn't deny it. And beyond that, we were able to show all the way until today, statistically controlling for many other factors, Bison nations today, their income is at least 25% lower than that of all other indigenous nations in the U.S. You saw how this could reverberate to today, and that seems like an extraordinary Mm -hmm. finding. You know, it's actually not. Many economists have actually started to show that the distribution of economic activity today doesn't rely on modern fundamentals only. So history can impact the development of regions, right? So many economists have showed this in other contexts. 
features that were important for economic development historically, like, you know, for example, like water routes for trade, right? Those have an impact on where cities form. Even though you no longer use much of the time anyway, the water and transportation like we used to, they can still shape passive development through agglomeration, right? If people are there already, more people are going to go. I guess that's why I'm in New York is because of the agglomeration <laughs> that once was driven by the ports and, and the Erie Canal that no longer is as important. Exactly. And again, you're not New York isn't going anywhere just because their importance declined over time. So there's something similar going on here. But what we're talking about is actually the loss of a resource. It influenced desirability of people both to go to these regions. So if there was very little economic activity happening, other people wouldn't necessarily go there to trade because what are you going to trade, right? It didn't have to be this way, but it has history has played out such that this shock has persisted. But it didn't have to. If you had access to other resources to re-specialize your economies like access to banks, you might have been able to recover. Don and their co-authors find that nations that had more banks near their territories fared better. They were able to borrow and invest in, say, new factories. Back in Blackfeet Reservation, there's hope for the future. Irvin's been working to bring back bison. They have a herd of about 800 that are mostly fenced in. It's a big thing with us nowadays, and even helping economically, of them helping taking care of us in a new way as they did in our beginning. Earlier this year, Irvin helped with an effort to release bison to roam freely in the mountains. That was a greatest success. That meant a lot to me. It was a very moving time for a lot of our people that were there after so many years. Seeing that release back onto their homelands was very, very emotional and very welcomed. This episode was produced by Brittany Cronin with engineering by Robert Rodriguez. It was fact-checked by Sarah Juarez. Kate and Cannon edits the show, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts.